We are talking about the first trade of the unwritten. We will reference things that happen in the second, even the third trade of the unwritten. While there are not hugely soul-destroying plot spoilers, there is mild spoiling action throughout the podcast. If this is going to make you cry, why are you listening to this without having read it? Well spunked. Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry the neurons aren't firing today. Yes, it is. Exactly. Cleanse the palette with zombies. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Did I just have a stroke? That's a valuable misprint, sir. And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. I hear the tinkling, and then I see Joel just reaching desperately for his crotch. And B. Somehow, not all the brain cells were firing, and it took me about 30 seconds into them filming for me to realize that it was, in fact, a video podcast. Joel Simon. They like a little badunkadunk. Yeah. Is, is, am I allowed to say that? Sure. A little junk in the trunk. Sure. And Andy Padel. How many times has Professor X died? Like seven. Got shot in the brain. <laughs> and he was okay. I think I'm actually recording this time. I think so. I've got 17 seconds, 18, 19 seconds. Okay. I'm recording. Okay. This time, we're actually recording. Like, We want to try this again? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Do we have to? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Matthews, and I am joined for the second time in one night by Andrew Padel. Sup? And Bean. Ahoy, ahoy. Oh, and... And, and, and Superfly! Cheekies! <laughs> and I want Sup back. That that was mine. No. Yeah. It's like I said, you can have amazing or you can have fantastic. <laughs> Sup is mine now. <laughs> but I, that was my, my street cred there. And now, and now I don't. I don't even have. You're it. on a podcast about comics. Your street cred is gone. <laughs> hey, gone. <laughs> no, wait, hey, like yo, dog. You read X Men five twenty yet? Yeah, that shit was <laughs> boom. Just makes me think of the white and nerdy happened? video when uh, the guy in the alley with the trench coat just has the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is awesome. That is our street cred. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yo, yo, man, can you can you hook me up with some some trades like a couple of hardcovers yeah. oh, i'll get you back next week yeah, that, that, that's kind man. of how i feel like uh some of my conversations with you and luke happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. anyway uh this is episode four this is our second attempt at recording this episode uh because we got 20 minutes into the first Tw- time and 20 minutes we got 20 minutes yeah. in we're are we that's are recording now right we are recording all right uh, 20 minutes into the first episode before we realized we weren't actually recording. Before I realized I was not actually recording. Better. I won't blame it on the rest of the Better. people. <laughs> did you did you take the lens cap off? <laughs> yes, this time the lens cap is off and okay. we are actually recording realness. Maybe I can, you know, make up for some of my mistakes in the first time. I'm hoping say, so, man. Because, man, I was, I was botching things up left and right. So let's go around the table and find out what people are playing. Reading. Reading. You no. were Jesus Christ. What is wrong? All you were off today. over the board. I am not really here. Hey, Joel, why don't you go first this time? Let's mix it up. Hey, so uh, I'm reading. No. Actually, so me first? Yeah. Really? 
It's such an honor. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, <clears throat> first time. Okay, got to get this ready. Uh, I'm reading Orc Stain, right? Yeah, that's what I'm reading. Uh, so, I'm reading Orc Stain by James Stokoe, and it's uh, it's amazing. It's about it's about this oh, kingdom yeah. of orcs, and I thought I thought that uh, being Orc Stain that it would be kind of Tolkien or or something like that, derivative of everything else that was orcs before or afterwards. And it's wholly original. It, it, it's a great story. Um, great, I think it's great arc. It's a little psychedelic, um, but it's it's good stuff. And it's a little phallic too. A little, just a little. Just just a squish. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, the the whole currency in this whole orc culture is around uh, penises. So it's not around. It consists. Of well, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> it is penises. So. Uh, the bigger the penis you can find and, and lop off of some monster or whatnot, the more money you have, and you are the orc champion if you have it. So that's refreshingly direct. It it, it, it really is, but it's, it, no, it's good stuff, and it's a it's a wholly original kind of world culture and whatnot, and I highly recommend it. It's good stuff. It's nothing you've ever read before. So the uh, the beauty of the trade is the last page, which is added material for the trade is the going through the process of making grunch, yeah. including grabbing poor miscellaneous young orcs, chopping off their junk, and going from there. Grunch being a junk-based substance? Grunch being, being the cocks. end result of the... Uh, of the ju- si- junk hacking? The, okay, yeah. the systematic hacking, slicing, baking, and then putting in something else into coin-like currency. Yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah, they cut up the, the shafts. Complete so with depictions. Penis cookies? Um, kind of, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But then they they glaze it, they glaze it and bake it, and then there's your yeah, exactly there is your your coinage, so to speak, and the tip is actually worth three coins. So Ooh. yeah, yeah. So Those cookies are huge. Save the tip. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole new meaning to just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things about the book is just the colors. It's not there's no dull muted colors anywhere in the book. It's like hope not neon pink, like <laughs> vibrant greens, vomit blues. I don't know. Yeah. Vomit blue. Yeah. Vomit uh. blue. Does that involve <laughs> hypnotique? Uh no, it, it involves um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck is that drink? Eh, whatever. It's happened. We'll just okay. leave it at that. Hey, to freeze. Blue Caracao. Oh shit. <laughs> Caracao? Blue yeah. blue. Yeah. Curacao is it Curacao? Cur- Cur- yeah, Curacao. Thank Blue you. Blue Curacao is disgusting. One of the worst alcohols ever invented. Blue Maui is worse. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I just think of it all as warning coloration <laughs> and try to avoid. <laughs> like, <laughs> nature <laughs> uses bright colors to warn predators right? of poison. This is poison. <laughs> Do not drink. I should learn that earlier in life. Oh well. Yeah. The same thing with alcohol. If it's brown or muted, you're good. You know. If it's a bright color, you're in trouble. Whoa. <laughs> No. What is your? This is the <laughs> second podcast in a row that you've burped, and I don't mean like multiple episodes. I mean like this is the second take where you burped into yeah. the mic tonight. <laughs> and go for it. I'm eating tacos. Sorry. Uh, so, as this was my pick, I was reading unwritten the first three trades, and also the first trade of fables, um, which I wanted to read mostly just kind of to see similarities and differences between unwritten, of which there are many, and also as pointed out. A while ago, in another unrecorded thing, um, Bill <laughs> Willingham of Fables wrote the intro to Unwritten, and in it he points out a genre within the comic book world, which he calls LAF, or Literature, Animals, and Fairy Tales, which kind of makes sense as a, as a catch-all thing, 
what exists. So there's a, a lot of pretty major distinctions between what Unwritten is doing and what Fables is doing. Fables is very much fairy tales not from actual Europe, but from magical parallel dimension Europe, have uh, been kicked out of their land and had come to New York City to... Newark? New York. New York. <laughs> New York City. Hey, magical land, New York. Get a rope. <laughs> so so that, now here's a question about fables yeah. that maybe you guys can answer. So you have the normal looking fairy like like Jack Spratt, Jack and the Beanstalk, um, They're sort Snow of White. all combined into one meta Jack. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if that was in the first one or it's, not. It's not, but okay. I know the yeah, characters. So there's, there's meta Jack and then there's Snow White and, and kind of yeah. the Prince... Prince Charming and all them. So Prince Charming is great. They're they're like the top tier. They can actually socialize with other people. So what happens with uh, with all the the animals and and the trolls and the sheep and whatnot? Are they just relegated to like the underground world, like sewer dwellers or something? No, they're somewhere in like Jersey or some shit at the farm. <laughs> everything's everything. <laughs> I don't know if Jersey. it's really in Jersey, but it should be. <laughs> Snooky, you're going straight to the farm. So do the three oh, little God. pigs. Do the three little pigs, do they actually stand up at the end and and start telling everybody what else it... No, we don't do. see that very much of them. The only non-human animal we see in the first trade is one of the three little pigs who comes and drunkenly crashes yeah. at the big bad wolf's apartment. Uh, the big bad wolf looking human... Bigsby. Bigsby. Uh, is allowed to stay... Big B. You're off. You're off. Big B. <laughs> big B. <laughs> You, you want to correct me again with the mic off? Because I was really enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good stuff. Anyway. Oh, fuck you. How <laughs> that work? Two legs good. Four legs Were you recording bad. that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the second trade is called Animal Farm, so I'm kind of curious oh, to is. see yeah, yeah. Okay. where so that they, goes. So they do touch on that. I'm sure. Because I know I've only scraped the surface. Uh, Luke, you want to go, or is it my turn? Go ahead. Okay. So I bought all of Northlanders. <laughs> Every single trade. It's by Brian Wood. Uh, same writers, DMZ, Demo, um, and a couple other things that I can't think of at the moment, which does a brilliant job of hiding deep thoughts behind mindless violence. Excellent. Uh, each individual trade covers its own story that is isolated from everything else. Uh, the first one is called Sven the Returned and takes place in 902? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really does. Uh, where a guy comes, it really does. Nine hundred and eighty, whatever. I was close, but so a uh, guy has left his uh, family and gone and joined the Persian army. No, mm. no, no, Constantinople. Yeah, he uh, joined Holy Roman Empire or Holy, Instant- Holy- Istanbul. Not Constantinople? Istanbul was Constantinople. Constantinople? Uh, no, oh. even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Oh, you're right. Uh, I guess they liked it better that he way. He finds out his dad has died and that his uncle has taken over his lands. And so he goes back to basically take all the money from his family estate and then leave. What? what? Just say it. Wicked pissed yeah. on the cover here. There's rage. Ungodly acts of violence. Rage. One of the yeah. best scenes in that book is um, when the the bad guys, for lack of a better term, are hunting a deer. They shoot it from quite a distance away, and the main character runs to where the deer is, decapitates it, wears its head as a helmet, and then hunts them down. Yeah, to like act as if he is some sort of <coughs> pagan god. And they they actually believe he's a pagan god yeah. too. And you know that that's one thing I love about it is that life is very cheap in this. You know, it is cheap. People die left and right, and it, it's pretty much how it was back in the, in the days where 
the only support that you had was of your family. And if you were out, you were an outsider, let's say coming back from the Crusades, um, they didn't like you very much. Nope. Unless you had money to buy yourself in. Yeah, exactly. But what what kind of currency does a Viking tribe? I guess they silver, gold, penises. Yeah, <laughs> chopped up, chopped up cock. Foreskins oh, of your yeah. enemies. <laughs> <laughs> you braid them together the into sort of a, a coin purse, rub it for a little yeah. bit, you get a handbag. Yeah, I'm classy. Uh, Luke, go. Uh, I am reading two comic books which uh, nobody actually really wants to read. Uh, mostly because uh, IGN has started allowing uh, my IGN users to submit reviews of comic books each week for their weekly review roundup that the IGN comics editor Joey Esposito then kind of filters through them and finds the ones that are worth picking out and includes them in, in the review roundup as feature reviews. So the last week I've read two Marvel books. I read uh, Generation Hope and Wolverine and Jubilee, neither of which is exceptional. How uh, was Carbon Gray, by the way? Oh, Carbon Gray was incomprehensible. Absolutely incomprehensible. That was the first, so he's bringing this up because that was the first one that I did uh, a couple weeks ago. And, and Carbon Gray was, like, really pretty. The artwork's really good. But f- fucking story is, like, non-existent. And it's complete. It's so muddled that you can't even tell what the fuck's going on. What is it? Good he question. No. Um, okay. Is it my Marvel? What, it is a it is set Marvel? in a world no it's image and image. it's set in a world that is very um kind of steampunkish uh it's like a mixture of a of, it's like a steampunk world war 1 combination so the the world at the at this point is ruled by a person called the kaiser and that there's a lot of dirigibles and lugers and um boobs and so someone was really blood. excited about dirigibles. I yeah. really Lugers like one boots. of those things. And Let me yeah. tell you, yeah. dirigibles are amazing. Yeah. Aren't they? <laughs> um, and the, so the 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 premise is that the the Kaiser is always protected by a group of three girls called the sisters. I can't even the remember the name. Sisters of that some damn thing. Huh? Yeah, the sister. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, so it's the the, sis, the these three sisters. In one generation, the youngest sister, rather than being born a single sister, is born twins, making a group of four. Uh, The primary focus of the book is a girl named Giselle, who is one of the twins. And at the beginning or at the end of the first book, the Kaiser is assassinated and it gets blamed on Giselle. Beyond that, it's completely... Dirigibles, boobs. It's dirigibles and boobs and And lugers. And lugers. So, So you're saying it was sucker punch in comic book form. Uh, only I'm sure Sucker Punch is probably more entertaining. Did you see it? Yeah, I, I've seen it. It's one of those things where it looks amazing, and uh, Zack Snyder had a really good vision. There was dirigibles and and steampunk and and giant boobs. robot and and boobs and garters and and whatnot. Um, Corsets, assless chaps. Store. No, that would have made it so much better. Doesn't the what? Yeah, well, I guess she's wearing like assless military pants things i don't know i'm pretty sure she had panties but anyway that's all i heard and that's all i care about yeah anyway, so anyway so. but anyway uh yeah it, it, but no story at all so it sounds a lot like carbon gray hmm. kind of so um, i read wolverine and jubilee which was the better of the two that i read um it's actually not the first three issues it's a four issue miniseries and the first three issues are actually not terrible it kind of focuses on 
so Wolver or Jubilee has been turned into a vampire due to the events of Curse of the Mutants, and it's kind of her trying to figure out what the hell she's you know how to deal with her her new powers and and kind of dealing with Wolverine as as the father figure and him trying to help her out. And the the fourth issue just is a total departure from the rest of the series and makes it kind of like it was kind of lame. It was like really good like character driven, dialogue driven story, lots of introspection and stuff up through the first three issues and then the fourth issue was just a dumb battle in a alternate dimension with a lot of things floating through space against Goop. a dinosaur. Dirigible so it was like it was just dumb. Um <laughs> Man, that's that's um, tragic because no, it seems like Jubilee has a lot of potential for wearing bright colors. Wearing bright colors. <laughs> yeah. But the whole like if she is infinitely sucking Wolverine's regenerated blood and he's supposed to be a father figure, kinda messed up. Yeah. A little yeah, bit. A little bit. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Vampires and, are increasingly eroticized and that's weird. No, really? Do <laughs> other fluids out of Wolverine's body have a healing factor as well? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I feel I like really uh, about this. all of the Kevin Smith characters in his movies that are like, what about the thing's thing? Yeah. What about Wolverine's sperm? Wouldn't, wouldn't Wolverine's you ever seen sperm? the stalagmite? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking Would to myself, happen? wouldn't Wolverine's sperm be like the perfect sperm donor sperm? Because it never fucking dies. Meh. No, I'm just thinking They wouldn't the even have to man. refrigerate that shit. It's no. crazy. They just keep it piled in a room somewhere and scoop a little bit out of it. Like oh. a fucking ice cream scoop. Throw it in a girl. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no. Bad place. Bad place. Uh, Did not hear that. Can no. I do a brief tangent based on Go sperm? Go right ahead. So, Take uh, a shot. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if you're ever looking for hilarious pornographic comics, oh. Oglaf. Which is O-G-L-A-F dot com. Uh, apparently it started out as an attempt to do porn, but it just ended up being like silly, medieval, funny things. And I, ca- I can't really describe too much of it. You, you just kind of have to go and see it for yourself. It has okay. a, a main character um, known as the slut, he, and he is like a slave to some you know, medieval mistress, and his sperm turns into a little cum sprite. Which will go and report back if he's doing anything naughty, which he is constantly. Anyway. I think I saw that cosplay at the last Comic-Con. <laughs> Comes right. Awesome. <laughs> that would not surprise me. I got actually. nothing. Nothing. Anyway. No. So, if you need porn in your life, it's ish. It, porn on the internet? What? No. Wait. There's uh, a song about that. There's porn on the internet? So, the other book I'm That's reading it. is called Generation Hope. And it's... Uh, Looks like it, it seems like it's trying to be the replacement for the old Generation X comic book, but it's based on uh, the character Hope, who is after House of M happens and there are no more mutants in the world. She's thirty-four. What? Two hundred thirty-four mutants. Yeah, there's. Well, okay, there are no more new mutants. No <laughs> mutant gene is no longer coming into the world. She is born with an active mutant gene, and. So the whole, you know, villains are trying to kill her. Some heroes are trying to kill her. Other people are trying to save her. So fucking Cable takes her into the future. So it, Ooh, we've come full circle. Huh? So now he's okay. saving her. Thank God he died. And then. What? what? She just. So so in the first five issues of this comic, they, they were completely unfocused. And the entire pur- purpose was. The like entire porpoise. Porpoise. The entire porpoise of these comics. Uh, no, so the entire porpoise is, oh, the huge manatee. 
Oh, shucks. Did you wow. going to get shanked. <laughs> anyway, so and, and the the part the <laughs> go, go. the pronunciation. The point. the point is that she finally comes back after she's a teenager in this comic book. She's like 16 or 17, and after having been trained by Cable, she finds <laughs> out that her ability is basically to stabilize the powers of mutants that are starting to appear in the world, the post house of M world. Um, so following her through, I think it was uncanny and a couple and one other book. She meets new the first uncanny. new mutants and uncanny. She, she meets and, and saves the first four, what they call lights, which were the four of the first five mutants to come back into the world. And then the, this picks up with the group of them trying to go save the fifth who is a very extraordinarily Akira-like techno mutant, like and and I'm, I'm when I say Akira-like, I mean is it the Falcons? it's like so they go to Tokyo and they save him, and the first five issues are so bad they're just Tetsuo. they're just bad it's like Kaneda 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 um the first four race. or five issues are just. It literally, the, every time they step up to do something, one of the older mutants, like Wolverine or Cyclops, steps in and goes, no, you can't do this, throws them back, and then they go do all the shit. The fifth issue is a filler issue. It's terrible. The sixth issue, which I just read and reviewed, the first half of it is absolutely awful and almost unbearable. And then the last half is surprisingly decent. Like, the characters are decent. They finally have a purpose, so they, they have a chance to do something. But it's it took five and a half fucking issues for this comic book to get... It's like a McDonald's reading. hamburger. Like, Surpri- surprisingly decent. You know, it's, it wasn't good. It was just surprisingly decent. It is I was astoundingly adequate. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, why do you do this to yourself? I am militantly indifferent to both of those comic books. They're just. You, you don't, I love how the fact, like, the one thing you're super excited, like, you're like, oh my God, there's a chance that I can, you know, do a review of the Six Gun. It's like just ripped from your grasp <laughs> by some fucking schmuck who's like. The Six Gun is a book about cowboys and ghosts. <laughs> There's well, a boob. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, you're you know, down typing on your computer. Like, no! What he's talking about is that I, I did three reviews, and the one that was actually of a comic I wanted to read was of Six Gun number 11, and it didn't get included in favor of another one. Do you want um, to include it while you went some... out of your way to go for that? <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much drove all over goddamn Seattle to get all the issues that I needed in order to do that review. So, do I mean, I got some, I got some feedback from from Mr. Esposito and and it made sense, but uh, but yeah, it was just it was a huge pain in my ass to get that review written and then not have it included. But, yeah. you know what? Thus I can't really is complain. the writer's life. Christina made a very good point of the first four reviews that I've submitted, three of them have been included, so I can't really complain too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because no one else so, is reading them. Well, yeah, but do you think do you think much? maybe it's the point that you're willing to read all the really bad comics? And actually put out something that's palatable to, to people that yeah. are like, hey, this guy's he's willing to do this. We'll shovel more shit at him. <laughs> see what, oh, what? Jubilee, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and you can actually say something good about it. Uh, but Luke. honestly, like Jubilee, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I choose the scrappy do of the X-Men. It was like one of those one of those characters that was just kind of shoehorned in there because they needed somebody to kind of play off a of Wolverine. And I know they have a relationship and everything, but she's just so 
Why? She makes pretty lights. Yeah. So does oh, wait, Dazzler. She doesn't even do that anymore. <laughs> but, but so does she Dazzler. There's, there's somebody else that does the, boom, the boom. same power. Oh, my God. Yeah, Boom Boom too. She's a valley girl. Betty go boom. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, I mean, even the Dazzler, she she was, you know, a rock star or something like that. There was yes. something interesting. There was spandex and Allison. Yeah. You know, there's all these, uh, her special power is she wears a yellow, a yellow raincoat. That is totally oh, a superpower. I know Jubilee. That's when I, that's when I ended the comic is when they first met in like Wolverine in saved Matabor. her. Exactly. Where they always end up. Why don't they just clean that city up? I mean, seriously. Dude, that's like saying, why don't they just take Mojo World off the air? It's not a good story to be like, and uh, the, the, the super violent arcade TV show has been canceled. Okay. And then 17 pages of nothing, just static. Okay. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So okay. Okay. Now, now I think we're at the part where we ended like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and but I, I didn't want to strangle Andy last time. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we've, we've made progress <laughs> then. So... Okay, I am a huge fan of X-Men. It's one of my most favorite books. I've been reading it for 20 years. Um, eh, 25 years. 20 years ago, the, the first spin-off X-Book came out. It was X-Men number one. It was a brand new series, and I was super excited. I was 12 at the time, and it was just like there was this feeling of being a kid, and there's like a new spin on something you love, and it was great. Ten months ago, the newest X-Men spin-off book, which is just called X-Men, came out. As soon as I read what the story was about, I'm like, I can't do it. They have mm-hmm. killed it for me because they What's have introduced Twilight pretty much into... It's called Curse of the Mutants, and it's all about vampires attacking the remaining mutants. Do not alike. Then they bring Dracula into it. Wow. Seriously? Jubilee gets turned into a vampire. Yeah. And basically, they've taken my childhood and like that shining moment of... That recollection of me like, oh, this was such a great point. And they've set it on a table... And then they've sort of squatted above it and took a nice healthy crap just directly onto it. Shysa Comics. Like, Do you like it? Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to stay on that table and just, mm, <laughs> look at us. Kids love Twilight. You don't. You've got taste. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're and, joking, right? No, I'm dead serious. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't be serious about that. What do you mean I can't be serious about No, I'm them? serious. You're, you're pulling my leg. That's what I'm talking about. They're not adding vampires into mutants. Didn't they already do that with, like, Necrotia or something like no, that? No, that was, like, I don't even know what. Necrotia was, like, trying to become a god. And her mutant ability had, but, was to suck life force out of people. Not in a vampiric way, but just to actually physically dude, take vampires have been in the Marvel Universe since the fucking Blade. 60s. I, I mean, yeah. Mor- Morbius has been in that universe forever. He, and the, he was not, not, like, a mutant or a superhero. He was just a fucking vampire yeah I, I loved the what if where it's like what if morbius got eaten by sharks
this rabbit hole. All let's right. just say, like, change the subject. Pull out, let's let's pull out of the hole. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's just uh, pull it out. Okay. Clean it off. Wipe it off. And let's go. And now we're talking about the unwritten. Hey. Comic book by Mike Carey and Peter Gross. But but, but there's comic comic industry news though. Th- no, there really. isn't. Nothing uh, happened. Seriously, everyone's been on vacation for the past two weeks. Are, Either like, fuck <laughs> yeah, I got, I'm nominated for an Eisner uh, next year. Um, Mike Carey and P- Peter Gross are the guys that did Books of Magic, right? And nope. Lucifer, Lucifer as well. And Lucifer. Did, were they involved in? Magic, yeah. Okay. So this part of the show, we're talking about the first trade paperback of the unwritten. It's called Tommy Taylor and the Bogus Identity. The book is based around a, a character named Tommy Taylor. And his father was an author who wrote a series of books called Tommy Taylor that are very Harry Potter-like very. in general. Um based supposedly on this guy, Tom Taylor, who was a kid at the time the books were written. I, I, it's really strange to try and figure out how to start talking about this story because basically Tom Taylor's father disappeared. It, I, I get the impression it's like eight or nine years prior to... Yeah, I can sum it up. The way that I describe it to people when I recommend it to them is imagine J.K. Rowling had a son named Harry Rowling and J.K. Rowling was about to publish the last book, disappeared, and then Harry Rowling went around posing as Harry Potter for nine years. That's yeah. the lead-in. <laughs> I just, I just got to know beforehand, am I the only one that hasn't read Harry Potter here? Has everybody read Harry Potter? I have yeah. not finished yes. Harry Potter, but I have read, I've read the first five books. Okay, well, that's as about as, that's five books more than I've read. Okay. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one that hasn't read this the whole phenomena that is Harry Potter. So I think you're informed if you read Harry Potter and then read Unwritten because there's a lot of the mania around Harry Potter. I mean, just Mm -hmm. Tommy Taylor doing all the comic book conventions and whatnot before this and kind of answering for something that isn't him. That makes sense. It's kind of foreign to me, you know? I mean, but if I guess Harry Potter would inform that, it's like, okay, I understand the hysteria because it's the the whole you can kind of apply it to any geek hysteria though so yeah. i mean you you consider like it it would be similar to the kind of uh bullshit that surrounds like any trek convention right like yeah. or you know when you when somebody sees will wheaton at a fucking comic book convention <laughs> that's pretty much tommy taylor in these books uh so wow yeah. It's, it's kind of a similar similar fervor. One thing that we were commenting about earlier when discussing this is, I think Joel was like, you know, not a lot She's happened like, in this one. And I think the reason is, is this is planned to be 12 or 13 trades long. And I think it's going to follow a story arc that's sort of Joseph <laughs> Campbell-like in that right. there's going to be some epic questing, obviously, get, reading the first three. Um, and this is sort of Tom Taylor's refusal of the call. So this is, that's actually, since we brought that up early, I was going to save it more toward the end of this discussion, but I'll bring it up anyway. That is one of the problems that I have with this first trade is the issues that it collects and the place where it ends was frustrating as all hell to me. Because to be entirely honest, this first trade does not have 
any definitive story arc. Slow burn. It has. Yeah. yeah. Sure, I, I understand that, but like, if you're gonna do that, if you know the book has a slow burn, then your first trade should not be five issues. It should be twelve, right? It should be. You should get into more of the story than you got out of this book. This book is a lot of build up and no payoff. It, no payoff, no climax, no you know kind of. But it kind of sets up the themes going through this, and and one of the great things that I like about this, and and I think Bill Winningham in his forward did say this was that it he explains this as literary, a literary comic, right, or literary fiction. He says it's part of the literary literature yeah, yeah. animal fairy tales. It is, and it really does go into what it means to write a book. You know, because I, I don't know if a lot of people realize how much work goes into writing a book. If you can just like lay down stories and that's it, and it just comes out. And there's actually like a beginning, middle, and the end. You have to build up. And there's and knows what goes into oh, writing a book. I, well, I know this. She is a published author. Check out her book, Freedom Land. Thank okay. you. Plug, plug. Um, uh, but you know, and there's there's a lot. <laughs> No, but honestly, and the joke never gets old. <laughs> no, I made the joke last week. I'll try to think of something new. <laughs> no, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff that that goes into writing a book, and and a writer is more he's telling more than just a, a story, and I think that's what this is this is trying to explain is that when you're when you're telling a story or you have a book that it it goes with themes and with ideas that you're trying to expand and, and explain to every, other people you know sure. and so i think the the prime example is kind of opened my up is like themes my i had a friend who was taking a science fiction class right and he was talking about how rich <clears throat> no no this is back in high oh, school okay. someone you don't know but he they were they were studying blade runner and he said blade runner had 138 shots of just the eye you know, because in that story, the eye was supposed to be like the mirror to the soul, and they were trying to explain something. So, through through that visual, they were trying to explain something more than just what was the story of being a replicant or whatnot. And that's what they're kind of they're kind of going into with this story, especially when he goes to the um, he goes to the castle. What's the name of the castle? It's where Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. I am yeah, about, it, I'm looking that up. Go ahead. And it's a, it's about the retreat about Frankenstein, and so they have all the different all the different types of writers in like horror fiction, right? They have the, the torture porn guy who's just out for the, the gore and, and the instant gratification. Then you have someone who's actually going for the themes and the, the suspense and, and the yeah. suspense of it. And so it, it goes, runs the whole gamut of what it means to be in like a genre of that, of that fiction of horror fiction, you know? So it's not just what, you know, you slice and dice and that's it. There's so many different facets of that. And I think that's what something that they're kind of explained. She people talk over you. Just start talking over other people. Okay, do it. This is this is okay. Talking over people. Here I go. Um, You need to work. One thing that I really enjoy about the process of reading this and is how many little references he puts in. Um, For one, I kind of had the delightful experience of mirroring Tommy's. experience of lizzie hexham because i was like lizzie hexham god that sounds really familiar why does that sound familiar oh it actually is from like the only thousand page dickens novel that i ever yeah got my way through it is a she is actually a character out of a dickens novel mm-hmm. um down to little stuff like one of the one of the uh, writers at the conference that joel's talking about is 
very like pale dark haired wears an ankh and says she's a magical realistic psycho gothic epic writer (laughs) (laughs) gee i wonder who that could be and would fill me with rage right (laughs) but uh i i think there's a lot of levels that you can you can appreciate just the story kind of as it is but the more you know about the bits of literature that they're referencing the cooler it gets this book one of those people like a homeless looking guy with a giant beard who's very boring because i'm sure they mock alan moore (laughs) (laughs) uh that's that's where my part of this comes in is that I f- this book makes me feel dumb in some ways because there's a lot of literary references in here that I don't fucking get. Authors that I don't know, um, like references to places that I don't understand. And maybe that makes me dumb. It's just that I've never had a, you know, I never had the, the college lit classes uh, where, I, where I read all the, the old, old school English lit type stuff. So... Um, I get the book and it makes sense to me and there's enough they've animaniaxed it right so you can you can get the stuff that's going on without knowing the deeper meanings of it I, w- I would have said Simpsons um, okay Simpsons where there's you know yes there is a, a story that you can anyone can understand however there are subtle nuances that right you know you have to know exactly what they're referring to in order to get that reference but if you just you might think um, Liz I, is a just you know a regular person when you first read it I always compare it to Animaniacs only because Animaniacs was the first time when I was a kid where you realize that a little kid can watch this show and enjoy it and laugh at it and have fun with it. But there's enough stuff in it that their parents can sit and watch it with them and laugh at it too at stuff that's completely different. And it's kind of the same thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to this that, you know, a lot of stuff that I don't get that someday I might, maybe I'll just fucking cliff notes and Wikipedia, all the stuff, but, (laughs) but it it reveals itself later on when you, when, you know, somebody kind of explains that to you and is like, Oh, you, you kind of see that. And then that's when you drop the mug and realize it says Kobayashi on the bottom, (laughs) that kind of stuff. No, but honestly, that's the great thing about comics is that it takes, you can, you can either take it at face value and enjoy the spandex and, and all the violence or whatever, or you can enjoy what other kind of themes they're trying to express through that story. And it makes it in a, in a palatable situation where you don't have to be able to read 500 pages of story of text just to understand this or whatnot, you can you can look at the pretty pictures and, and yeah. still get a little bit of that too. I'm gonna I'm gonna run a parallel here that is gonna piss off a lot of people that have, that love this comic and love the liter- literature behind it. This felt to me very much like the last action hero with literary characters. Wow! Like it it really is though, no. right? Like no, I can see that. You can see because scruffy guy that you know. Especially the bad guy. The bad mm-hmm. guy comes across very much like like the Wait, axe murderer dude. From you're talking guy. about the axe. Murderer I'm talking about guy. the axe murderer, okay. the scythe murderer guy in this one. And you know, it just it it's you know, literary characters come into the real world and hilarity ensues, mm. and people get murdered. And hey, now Luke, can I just tell you one thing? That's how I feel on this podcast because you guys are all a lot more knowledgeable about different aspects of comics, and Andy. Most of all, and you too, you collected quite a bit. Where I was out of it for quite a while, and then I'm just starting, <laughs> finally coming back in. But you, you're really big on web comics, though, too. Sure. So you you have your own little genre. Where me, pretty much Penny Arcade was is this it is or the my funny own page genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's and that's a great thing about comics is that there's a little bit for anybody. You know, sure. If you don't like mm-hmm. this, you can get that. And if you don't like the spandex, there's still stuff for you. Um, and you can still be familiar with it and, and still enjoy it too. You know? Yeah. I, I've to, 
to bring it around, I very much enjoyed reading this first trade. I, I like I like the story that they're setting up. I'm upset at the at where it cuts off, where this particular trade cuts off. I'd agree with that. I think it was awkward. It, it was just an awkward stopping point that I think would have been. I think they would have been better served instead of having a f- I think five or six issue comic for twelve ninety nine. They would have been better served with a longer trade for you know twenty five or thirty bucks. You know have have a twenty five dollar trade with twelve issues or something to give us a little bit more. Uh, you know get get us deeper into the story and See, get us the reason like what they would have to do because since you haven't read the second one yet, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. the the second arc that takes place is it's you have to have the whole thing yeah this this was the best place that like if they were going to put a break in between volume one and volume two this is the best place because when volume two goes on um well then i don't see why not why i don't see why you can't put both of them in there though because they're roughly the same size trade and they're both 12.99 they could have put that they could have put that as a 25 dollar trade and it would have been fine and i think that would have been better because it would have given me the character setup and then his first real adventure you know and sure but that all being said i mean aside from the assembly of the trade the the story that they tell in here is is interesting enough to make me want to go buy more which i think is is at least at least that aspect of it is worthwhile. But okay, think of it this way: so someone on the street um, sees a graphic novel. For, what are they more likely to do? Buy the twelve dollar graphic novel or the twenty two dollar? No, graphic I agree. Novel? I totally agree. You, you need to get. Yep. You need to get someone you know in and on the ground floor, and then they'll want to get more. Which is why I'm hoping that they come out with hardcover trades of this. I'm actually um, thinking about getting um, mine and custom bound. Eh, maybe cool. like absolute edition style. I don't know. I'm. 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 I'll, I'm going to reserve judgment on this particular one until I read more into it because there were there were little problems that I had with this. Like, um, there's God, not I'm trying much to... meat to it. It's all appetizer. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's totally yeah. appetizer. Um, I... Go ahead. I think that it's worth getting a little farther into it. For one thing, there are certain issues that stand out individually as frigging incredible. Like in the second trade, there is an issue that's all done in sort of. No, like watercolors. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of like the. While you're thinking about that, I'm gonna talk about. Okay, there's talk a, about a issue 18, the mm-hmm. one that got nominated for the Eisner. Is that the? That's the choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure one. Right. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Single issue that is a you read it vertically. It's a choose your own adventure. So in, included in this first trade, in addition to the main storyline, the first five issue arc, uh, there's an issue in the back called uh, was it? how the whale how the whale became, and it's. It's a historical story. It centers around Rudyard Kipling. Um, and it's actually... That's to me, was probably the best part of this first trade, in all honesty. it's It kind of gives you a little bit of insight into the the machinations of the of the whatever organization is is, you know, controlling what's going on in this book. The unfortunate part about that is that you get very little gl- very few glimpses into that organization through the main story mm. like one cell phone conversation and one other scene and you don't really quite understand by even having all of that set up by the time you finish this trade you don't really understand anything about them at all like about what 
you know, I understand that that's being explained later on, but it just feel, I don't know, I, I felt, I felt incomplete after reading this trade. So on the note of incomplete, I want to go into a real quick tangent of, I'm reading all the praise that this book has gotten in the opening, and my personal, my personal favorite one is from The Stranger. It just says, compelling. (laughs) <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, other amazing recommendations for this book come from io9. The Unwritten may be just what you're looking for. <laughs> I, I like the one that's uh, clever and engrossing, but the and is in brackets as though it wasn't included in the original text. <laughs> <laughs> or that there was a great deal of chaff in between. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say that uh, I... <clears throat> Have a lot of patience for stories that have a slow start and are long and literary <coughs> Sandman. But I, I you think said that something, and all I heard was <laughs> <laughs> right. That's selective deafness. I think that seeing where this is going, there will probably be like a book further down the road that I could pick out and be like, "This is the one we should read because it is awesome." Yeah, like I could see trade paperback five or six, Rock in the Park. Now let me just say with the in story where they're talking about Rudler Kipping. Rudler Kipling. I've got a porpoise here. Just just hold on a second. Rudler oh, oh, Kipling Kipping to Kippered Herring. I don't Herring Kippler. <laughs> no, what what is his first name? Rudyard, Rudyard? Kipling. Rudyard. Rudyard? Rudyard. Yes. Who names their kid Rudyard? Uh, somebody in the 1800s. Oh. Schmegbar yeah. and Xantarth. <laughs> but it's it's a it's the idea that he, this guy, the well, the secret society behind him, was using him as an idea of putting forth their message. And that's that, I think that's one thing that maybe this book is trying to express is that with with the written text, you're able to get ideas out there and spread it across the world where um, it can infect other people and kind of inform them and compel them to do different things. You know, and so with his earlier books, he started out as imperialism, and that helped spread uh, English imperialism across across the the world. You know, especially India and in the southeast and whatnot. And then he realized what they're using his stuff for, and then he turned it back uh, against them using like uh, fairy tales or whatnot, which yeah. really wasn't any help, very helpful to them. And I think that's the idea that they're that he's trying yeah. to get across, and especially with. Um, when they're when they're talking about Frankenstein, it's all about this monster that Frank Doctor Frankenstein created, and it was something that he couldn't control anymore. It became bigger than him, and it's mm-hmm. a lot like what happened to Tommy Taylor. That this whole story about him was bigger than him, and he really couldn't control it at all. Mm-hmm. I think that's the theme of the whole series: is like the stories they will become bigger than you, they will start controlling you, and then yeah. they will be worth and, dying for. And this book tends to be for me the the point where Tommy Taylor realizes that um he has the opportunity to not he had the opportunity at some point in his life to not get dragged into the bullshit that his father started but in an attempt to basically make a living off of the only part of his life that mattered mm-hmm. that that he could glom onto he ended up getting sucked into this thing that he didn't want to even be a part of in the first place yeah I just keep on thinking, Jesus, eh, I met him, he was all right. <laughs> <laughs> the book blew him way out of proportion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 
guy wasn't that big of a deal. There is the messianic tones throughout this too, where he's he's got the cult of followers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they think he's he's this guy. And, but there's there's a lot of interesting. It is a slow burn, but there's a lot of interesting kind of plot devices in this that I really think will keep me keep me reading. Like going through the literary map, where this guy was given all these this literary uh, kind of bookmarks throughout the world, where each different things happen and it's somehow that is going to be expressed somewhere but it's something that kind of be like this is a real big part of it yeah it's the the map with all the literary mm-hmm. notes of where all the great work started it's kind of like okay this is alluding to something bigger but um you're gonna have to read more in order to figure this yeah. stuff out and who the, who is this big the scythe guy who is this guy why has he got a mechanical hand and why can he turn things into words yeah Word goof. yeah what word goo? Yeah, and the and the the words. I mean, that look, there's words on the ground. Don't pick them up, honey. You don't know where they've been. That was a fabulous <laughs> line. <laughs> uh, when yeah. he's holding the 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 maid or whatever in yeah. the house, and she just sort of melts in his hands. And Can you imagine how horrifying that would be to like see someone and like they turn into words in yeah. your hands. And the words that they turn into was unanswered word questions. Pudding. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it's all this different kind of stuff. Yeah, actually, work. you do need to pay attention to the art. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, Peter Gross knows what's up. I'm not a fan of the art. Yeah. You're never it actually, are. That's not true. Like he loves Six Gun. That's true. I, I love the no. Six Gun art, and this Peter Gross's art in here is similarly cartoony to Six Gun. Sure. But in a way that I just that just doesn't interest me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just personal tastes, but I'm just not a fan of this guy's art. Uh, I'm the same way. I think it's more the coloring, more than anything. It's not the art itself, but the coloring really doesn't make. It doesn't flesh out the characters at all. I mean, there's yeah. there is a little bit of shading, but it's really bland coloring. And I wish I wish it was more. There but are, there are parts, and I, and I don't want to. I really don't want to rag on Peter Gross. The guy's got a long and storied career in the comic industry, and he's done some really cool shit. But there are some panels in this book that look very amateurish to me. He His style changes throughout yeah. everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys saw the, the, the Peter Rabbit-esque stuff. Yeah. And there, there are other examples later on. There, So to to bring up a couple examples, and the, the one that really got to me was that <laughs> there's the page where they show uh, Tommy walking in on his dad beating the shit out of some guy. Yeah. And the scene, the second panel on that page where the dad has turned his head and seen Tommy in the room is his head looks, his head just looks wrong. Like his head looks like it's on the end of some crazy neck and You're it's right. just not, not really attached to the shoulders quite Awkward. correctly. It's and it's little stuff like that. There's a panel, um, where they show Lizzie, they're in the house and they're talking to some of the authors and Lizzie shows up and it, the the panel just looks very, I don't know, like something I would have downloaded off a of DeviantArt. There are panels that look really, really great and there and then there are a lot of stuff that just seems very, just it just doesn't appeal to me. Which is strange because all of the, um, maybe it, and maybe it's just the style that he has chosen specifically for the Tommy Taylor parts of the book because actually the art style that he he uses for the Rudyard Kipling story, which is significantly different, is is a lot more intriguing to me. It looks very League of Extraordinary Gentlemen esque, right? And um, without it, giving too many spoilers, every story they journey to has a different 
style. You know, and That's I was pretty cool. I was just noticing that because if you're if you look at the the very first pages of it when when he's he's Sorry, when he's going through the Tommy Taylor stuff, that stuff looks kind of detailed, hyper detailed, and it looks a little bit better. And then when you go to real life, everything's kind of bland, hmm. you know, and that's true. And bland tones, not high definition or whatever. And then you go on to, let's say, Frankenstein, and Frankenstein is hyper detailed. He's got a lot of details in, in the Frankenstein monster or not. And then you go back to the real world. And like you said with Rudyard Kipling, it looks like the the literary world is a little bit better fleshed out. I don't know if that that was like a sorry thematic choice for the art, like they want to keep the stuff in the real world kind of kind of one note, you yeah. Know, not too not too out of the ordinary, and everything literary was a little bit more extraordinary. Maybe that's possible. I don't know, but I, you know, I've, I'm, I wasn't a big fan of the art too. Yeah, I'm not like a big art fan, so I, I'm more of a, a story guy. I, I, I like the art. I think it adds something to it, but uh, this one just kind of left me flat. Really, that to me that does bother me just a little bit because. It, it's a graphic medium, right? If I wanted mm-hmm. to read a novel, I'd read a novel about this. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But the combination of the two is what makes the book. And luckily, it's not the art. The writing is good enough to overcome my problems with the art. Sure. So I, I can I can deal with it. And you know, I apologize to Peter Gross, but just not just not feeling you, brother. I think I'm seeing kind of what Joel's saying about the art showing the different layers of story. Sure. And I think that's something that's going to be really important for Peter Gross to do throughout this because there are, we are, I mean, this is like metafiction at its core. We are reading a story about a guy who was written about in a story and then he goes into some stories. We're reading stories about a story in other stories right so (laughs) clearly like something i wouldn't want to read this as a novel in fact i did try to read this as a novel and it was called some damn thing by jasper ford wrote the whole series about thursday next detective novels which is all she's a literary detective and she goes into books she solves literary crimes and i really didn't like it and i felt guilty for not liking it because i'm an english major and i'm supposed (laughs) to like that sort of thing detective stuffs oh that's gently that's That's douglas adams Adams. 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 thank you Yeah, yeah yeah That's Which the best kind of detective. It's fabulous. <laughs> but um, this, I think, having the visual distinction between the worlds is helping me keep track of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And and that m- maybe that's the strength of Peter Gross's art is that he has the ability to make such distinct stylistic differences between his, you know, in his artwork. Whereas another artist might not be able to pull that off, right? Yeah. They might, you know, if it hadn't been Peter Gross, they might have had to actually get different artists to do different things. There are some artists that just are have incapable of breaking their style. Like Jim Lee, great artist. I have never seen Jim Lee draw anything that doesn't look like something Jim Lee drew. Yeah. Um, this is a good thing and a bad thing. What do y'all make of the occasional media splash page that happens in these? It's required, and it gives you background information that you can skim over, but if you really want to get into the story, it's just like powers. Sure. There's there's so much compressed information in those pages that you just want to read it as text only, mm-hmm. and it'll give you different perspectives like the Tim, uh, the Tommy Taylor. I think Tommy Taylor cult <laughs> when there's all the bulletin board postings and whatnot about that. And I think the, the page you just showed to me it was a very good it was a good stylistic choice because it 
it gave you a very fast and compressed glimpse of that fandom that surrounds him yeah. without having to actually show a lot of like you know th- without having to go through a bunch more of like convention bullshit sure. right they put that page up and you're like oh okay now i kind of get, get where it. this is coming from mm. it's some of the references in it though i wonder how f- quick they're going to be dated you know oh, i'm sure like but, you know I-, I love that. seeing stuff like that but side note alan moore is the leader of the uh the crazy the crazy oh God, totally yeah. is. Just, that yeah. just hit me yeah, yeah. nice hey, so so who at the frankenstein retreat who who do you guys think the woman is neil gaiman what <laughs> it looks like the character death out of sandman that's writes very how do they describe yeah, the, the it but it's a woman though so what the character death out of sandman is a it woman. it is a big magic realist psycho gothic epic yeah okay. that's Neil Gaiman. Oh, it's I, Neil okay. Gaiman mixed with death, all in one character. Never read. Gets it. murdered with gets sickle. Murdered and I feel in an like amazing way. In the hostess lady rings very actually, Agatha Christie to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I could see that. I don't have a whole lot more to say about this book, other than it's really good. I yeah. I've got problems with I've got problems with the artwork. There are some holes in the story that I think will get better, hopefully over time. If you're going to read it, I would suggest borrowing the first one before buying because I think once you get done with the first one, if you don't like it, stop. You're going to stop. And if you do like it, you're going to want to buy the second one. No. So I would suggest borrowing the first one before b- before purchasing because if you want to purchase, I I'm just going to, if you're just going to go out and buy it, I would say go buy the first two because yeah. the first one is not enough. No. Um Amuse la bouche, amuse la bouche. Yeah, amuse bouche, amuse bouche, amuse bouche. It's not amuse. It's not amuse. It's a pre-appetizer appetizer. Yeah, okay, darn it! <laughs> I thought it was a foodie you, too. To, you're, you're trying to be all high. To quote Chandler, I, I was. It is exactly amusing. Amusing. Oh god! Oh, it's not really, even my oh, joke. Oh, the manatee. <laughs> what? what that got a laugh? What, what was the purpose of that? Oh, I don't know. Ah. Jesus Christ, what a bad what puns. Are we that totally fits with this book. It actually it really, really does. does. That's fair. It's like we're talking about Xanth novels. I was about to say, <laughs> we're turning into a fucking Xanth novel. Woo. I haven't read those either. Don't bother. I, no. I, yeah, I need to read more often. The, I need for instance, it. censorship, it's a boat with two giant sensors. When you're near it and the smoke hits you, you can't say anything inappropriate. That sums up every single book that right. is in that series. Yeah. Oh, okay. Physical puns and vague misogyny. Vague? vague. Okay, <laughs> explicit misogyny and physical puns. So what do you guys think of the book? Andy, you see when I said it was really good, you you scoffed a little bit. So uh, Okay, so I've had it on my poll list since issue 1. And as an overall story, I love it. I feel a little bit hoity-toity or highbrow, you know, walking around reading it because it's <laughs> it's everything that I hated about Neil Gaiman's stuff. <laughs> everything that I hated. But I like it. It's not everything, because it's not nearly as wordy as Gaiman. It's okay. It's almost as pretentious, but it's like there's this fine line. Mm. Neil Gaiman's on one side, and the unwritten's on the other. No, notice I'm, I'm comparing that everything that you know. Neil Gaiman <laughs> has ever done to the unwritten. Because well, American Are Gods you, is you on the counting book. the day I swapped my dad for two goldfish. Fuck that book. Fuck it's. You know, collaged in Dave McKean bullshit pages, and it's pretentious writing, and it's stupid cover. Someday I will make you read Cages by Dave McKean. No, you won't. Unwritten is just at that 
precipice of pretentiousness that I find acceptable. If it, if it was like one more highbrow New Yorker joke more, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck this book. Take it off my pull list and I'm burning every copy that I have. But it's just, it's like a tight rock, like just right down the middle. The I pretentious feel... asymptote. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know what that means. It's the, it's the don't explain it to him. I'm no, making no. a motion. <laughs> this explains the asymptote. And it looks incredibly like masturbating to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if that's how you masturbate, that's there's problems, sir. God, I wish I could record this moment in history. What? No, no I, yeah, we masturbate like this. I, I understand okay. exactly what you were saying, but it was just a very. Anna's just dying here. She's like, why the fuck do I deal with these Wait a minute, maybe that's how Anne masturbates. I do not asymptote myself. <laughs> <laughs> we are not having Come on, this not even once. Anyway, we were talking about the pretentiousness precipice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, this book is turning me into one We are one. so far away from that precipice right now. <laughs> it's true. Uh, does anyone get any good dick jokes? No. Nope. Okay. What's Fair that enough. thing called? Norkstein? So, Joel, what do you think of unwritten? I liked it. I liked the <laughs> ideas that it, it expressed, but it's kind of uh, slow to, and while I'm talking, We're I listening. can't pay attention to anybody else. <laughs> We're totally listening to you, Joel. You are, listen to me. Hey, so, but I, I, like the, I like the idea of it. It's, it's a nice little change from the, the spandex and the, and the guns from normal, like Marvel and DC kind of stuff. But um, I, I honestly would like to see where it goes. But I can see where Andy's saying it's really pretentious, and and um, I can understand that. Well, maybe not really pretentious, but there is some pretense. Mm-hmm. Is meta the there? new pretentious? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. 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 But I don't no. call it meta. Oh, okay. But <laughs> I think maybe the <laughs> is bread the from thing? heaven the new pretentious. I, I was thinking Wooberg, but you know. <laughs> She's picking up the talking over other people. Yeah, you have to. You used to be quiet too. I know. I, I'm slowly working it out there. Don't know. But <laughs> For anyway, say, can we just get through I, this? No, please? we can't. I just want to say said? I like the ideas, and there's it's there's layers upon layers. It's like an onion. So. Um, yeah, you can always peel it back and find something different. Like More I tears. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know the Neil Gaiman thing, so there you go. And um, yeah, I'm just. And what do you think about it? I love it with every mermaid little part of my nerdy literary heart. I get all the end jokes. It's terrible. I I realize it's not for everyone, but it's totally, totally correct for me personally. (laughs) And gets all the jokes, but I don't get (laughs) them. Weep for a sins. You guys can follow her Twitter feed on. It's true. And I'm smarter than everyone else on the podcast. (laughs) Being tweets. (laughs) Not smarter, just more of a nerd. And hangs over the pretension precipice. (laughs) I do. Tweets. I touch the abyss of pretension. Went right over that asymptote. (laughs) The event horizon, perhaps. Mm. I'm just thinking about butts now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Uh, I think. I think. Then my my advice 
holds it sounds like from what everybody's from everybody's kind of reaction to the book that except it, for Anne. it really well sure but even even she agreed oh, like it. like for the average comic book reader the best the best advice we can give you is go borrow the first trade from somebody and see what you think yeah if you, and if you know you're a huge nerd like me like buy it yeah. now but otherwise yeah. be reasonable so but, if, if you're a little bored with a Jubilee sucking eternal blood from uh, Wolverine or something like that. This might be a change of pace for you. This is like the Just exact opposite end of the spectrum, though. It I really mean, it's, is. It's not, it's not like a little bit different. It's like on one end you've got yeah. ye- neon yellow trench coat vampire assistant to murder machine. On the other end you have <laughs> super meta fiction about fiction taking place in fiction with a fictional character <laughs> who discusses fiction with other fictional characters. Right? Right up my alley. <laughs> well said. That, that's a great uh, way to explain it. It's actually a really good description, uh-huh. sadly. Yeah. So you're saying it's fiction? I like using the word murder machine. <laughs> <laughs> my brain cells have all been spent now. So like I'm saying, it's a, it's a change of pace. Since I completely forgot Snickers' uh, shout out, shout out uh, in the last show, we're gonna we're gonna turn it into a segment called Snickers Shout Out. This <laughs> week's webcomic shout out goes out to the one of the most, if not the most, stable and consistent webcomic out there, Schlock Mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the way that that uh, that Snicker describes it on the forums: a comic space opera by Howard Taylor, set in the 31st century. The interstellar adventure of a mercenary outfit called Tagen's Tufts follows Captain Calf Tagen, the titular homicidal amorph Sergeant Schlock, and a ragtag group of the scruffiest nerf herders this side the galaxy in their quest to get paid, preferably more than once. Wars, police actions, even custodial work are not beyond this team as they face off against aliens, clones, AIs, and more attorney drones than you can legally shoot without a permit. It has been running... God damn it, I closed the website, For didn't I? Evs. Like, I'm pretty sure I read this this on Keenspot when I was 15. Wow, Keenspot. Right? Nice. Said yeah. it has been uninterrupted since its debut in June of 2000. Ten solid years without missing a day. Oh, God. So, I was 15 in 2000. <laughs> I was wow. 21 and I was not. I was 22. 22. 22 yeah. yeah. I was 22. So yeah, uh, that's that's uh, Snickers shout out for this episode. Go check out Schlock Mercenary on the web at www.schlockmercenary.com. So uh, let's let's oh, yeah. let's talk about the fact we need to talk about something here. Somebody out there is downloading this show. Unless it's all bots, I'm pretty sure that there are humans that have listened to this episode. Uh, last but episode, somebody wants to listen to this. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Last episode, we did a contest for a free copy of uh, "The Last Days of American Crime." 
one person entered, which was Snicker of Snickers shout out. Um, <laughs> People other than Snicker and also so Snicker too. If you are if Let's you are go. listening to this show, we are going to continue running these contests. I'm I'm debating I'm debating whether we want to do we want to just start piling up any books we don't give away yeah, into the, the, the first yeah. the first contest that it's actually successful gets all the books that yeah yeah we didn't get uh, okay what's the deal with Snicker why why can't he no. uh, we said we said in the last show that we had to get at least ten responses oh and we only got one oh. that was a couple of weeks ago though yeah. I I don't remember that far back anyway go on. <laughs> So the contest, until we have a successful one, will continue as it did last week. The show that we're going to do two episodes from now is for Casanova Luxuria, the first trade of the Casanova series. And the contest is simple. Email us with Casanova Luxuria in the subject line of the email. Give us your name and address. Tell us you're interested in getting the book. And then if we get more than 10 responses, we will draw a name out of a hat. And that person will not only get a free copy of Casanova Luxuria, they will also get a free copy of The Last Days of American Crime, which is going to be our next show. So, you can email us at after... Or, Jesus Christ, I'm still doing the wrong fucking show. What is what is your... what is Like, you're talking with your <laughs> mic off? We, we have pronounced everything completely correctly. This entire podcast. <laughs> Yes, Luke. Kipler Roglog. Yeah, I said his name right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> I got a speech impediment. Leave me alone. You can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. Uh, again, give us your name and address. If you don't include your address, it's not an entry. The deadline is going to be, I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Officially. We're like the Wasot. We're that specific. It'll be Special. May 11th will be the deadline for entries because that uh, is when we will be recording the next show that is all about the last days of American crime. Word. I'm going to do a special contest. If someone can point out every time that Luke is fucked up <laughs> this episode and just email me care of the show or whatever, uh, I will send you something amazing. You First are, person to you send You understand he edits this stuff, right? <laughs> That's fine. I'm still going to hear the same podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Luke always does come across sounding <laughs> amazingly brilliant and the rest of you guys sound yeah. like a bunch of tools? Does, does right, the fact right that we, rec- we did 20 minutes of show that didn't actually <laughs> record count? <laughs> I think we did pretty well for, you know, that counts as one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did better when we drank the bottle of scotch. Oh, Damn. I always do. I always do better on scotch. Yeah. Uh, so now let me understand this. If we don't get ten, this is just going to build up like a skins game, right? Damn right it is. Wow. This would so, be a nice dowry. Yeah. It's so seriously, right? if it goes a few more mm. episodes, we're going to end up with like five or six trades that somebody's going to end up with. $700 shipping fee. <laughs> 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 no, you want to know the beauty of that? I'm going to ship this fucker from Amazon and I've got a Prime account. So does anybody else have anything they want to bring up before we wrap up the show at all? Do you want to talk about what next show's about? I just did, The Last Days of American Crime. But do you want to talk more about it? Aren't we going to talk about it on that show? Yeah, <laughs> it's a book. It is. It is. Uh, we're going to do the. F- it's only one trade because it's a self-contained story. Yeah, so it's and it's Rick Remender and Greg Ticini. Is it Ticini? Ticini. I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, he does amazing art, and I was like Greg Ticini. Rodgerard Clam Clam. I'm going to cry, guys. It's no funny. All right, but I did pick this book. I got to say, I picked this one. This was my own selection, so I'm pretty excited to talk about it can you understand i'm really really excited to talk about it it's a good book yeah, yeah, it I, is i really like yeah. it it's 
Okay, go on. All right. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. Gets us uh, new new listeners. So rate us on, I- on iTunes. Give us a review if you want. Review us on Zoom. Uh, you can go to social.zoom.net, search for the Trade Secrets Podcast, and log into the marketplace. Hopefully, we're actually on the Zoom marketplace. Before I need to actually... Down. Yeah, seriously. I need, to, I need to look into that. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, my Twitter is at Geek Elite. Andy's is at Mathtastrophe. Anne is at the precipice of potential bean tweets now. At and bean tweets. <sighs> Joel's is Superfly, and that is spelled S O O P E R P H L Y. I don't hate tweets no more. Uh, I got the blargs and the twats on going on, and yeah, I'm still. Blargin twats. Blargin twats since 2011. I, I can't, can't catch up with current culture. <laughs> you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. Follow us on Tumblr at trade secrets podcast.tumblr.com. Uh, join the forums on the website. Uh, Snicker is pretty much the only guy posting there right now. So come on, people, get on there and join him. You can, again, email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. And any one of those places, you can send us questions that we will use on the show. Uh, we will read them as we do with uh, Snickers shout out. And uh, you can send us anything you want. I don't care. I don't really give a rat's ass what kind of emails we get. It can Spam be bot, I miss you. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can be fucking dating advice for all i care you can you can write us an email five lines talking about your junk i don't give a shit we'll we'll read it on the air the grunch the grunch this has been episode four of the trade secrets podcast all about the unwritten i am luke thank you andy you're welcome thank you joel hey thank you Anne. you're welcome and we're out (laughs) 